This is part two of a two-part podcast. Have you ever wondered whether a particular book was really good or just so-so, and if you could trust the reviews online? When it comes to books related to permaculture, Permies has a large list of reviews for over 100 books. Perhaps you're considering a book for yourself or a friend, or you're just curious about what's out there. Stop by permies.com forward slash book and take a look at the book review grid and read some honest reviews, and hopefully you'll find the next book to add to your collection. Okay. When it comes to water, does your water come from like a from the a city water supply? Yeah, it's municipal water. So it has chlorine in it. Yeah. So and on top of that, because of where the other whatever the other stays longer in the water, chlorine. It has it has some kind of toxin in there that's going to kill things. So that way. Um, it's considered safe for human consumption. Right. All right. And, and that's what it has in it. Yep. And of course your, your growies don't care for it. And it's like, no. on top of that, on top of that, your municipal water supply would much rather keep the water, which is why they charge you by the gallon. Right. And, and why they don't want you to store it when it falls on your roof. It, and then there's a little bit of that. And, um, uh, but let's set that aside for a moment. The key is, is that water in your area is brutally expensive. That's what I'm trying to say. Like, Mm -hmm. if you thought of watering your lawn, like in your area, probably hardly anybody waters a lawn. No. It's, it's almost unheard of. The original owner tried, thought about it. And then our neighbor said that as soon as he got the water bill, that was it. And we found the plastic, uh, when they do the sod, they have a mesh, plastic mesh. We found it. <laughs> okay. When we were doing some digging, there was the plastic mesh from the dead grass. Yeah, not All right. no grass. We don't have any. Right. But what we do want, because we are, we love permaculture and, and we are obsessed with gardens and animals and all those things. We, we just, Love, love, love all of this stuff. Am I correct? You are correct. Okay. And so we, we want to make a permaculture paradise on this five acres. Absolutely. And it's like, and when we do this, we're not going to harvest roof rainwater because of the reasons. And we're also not going to use municipal city water because of the reasons. Mm. And so it's like, all right, um, what are we going to do? Well, if we were, to, so my first step was to say something about berms, and with with berms, then um, and and on top of that, um, I have a whole webinar thing that I don't know if um, uh, it'll go into the chat. Uh, a link to it, but I think it's like $10. It's a recorded webinar and it's, it's, uh, um, a whole bunch, like it's a, it's gotta be about two dozen different ways to replace irrigation with permaculture. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've seen this or, you know, I, there, yeah, there are some things I definitely wanted to delve into and, uh, yeah, I mean, so, I like lazy gardening and, and yeah. Water without irrigation is, I, I am on board. 
Okay. All right. We're going to do permaculture instead of irrigation. Love it. So the city can keep their poisoned water. Um, and any of the water that lands on your roof can just land on the ground and go to the aquifer, which is what these government entities desperately want. And soon they're going to make laws about that. And it's like, okay, all right, we're going to, we're going to roll with this. And so step one is I, and, and I know that it's, it's a big ask, but it's always exciting for me. And I feel like the, I've got some berms here and I am so glad that we did berms and it has, they have earned their keep over and over and over again in so many different ways already. And so naturally I'm, I'm like a militant vegan. I want you to do what I do. And so I'm going to, I'm going to be pushy about it, but for now, just try the idea on. So you're going to build this big berm and it's going to make it so that Everything between the berms is going to be moister. It's it's just not going to get dried out as much. Okay. Okay. Then and 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 uh, I'm going to have to augment the thing about the berms here in a moment. But between the berms, I want you to build culture. Now, I'm going to guess that digging around in the dirt out there is like what it was for me when I was on Mount Spokane and and I had decomposed granite and bits of clay and that it's kind of gravelly and it, um, but I can work with that. I can do stuff with that. And so, Oh, so somebody posted the link to the webinar. Oh, good. Oh, good. Um, uh, and then, so culture is going to be soil on wood. And I'm looking at what you got there, and it looks like you're short on soil. That's that's dirt. That's subsoil. It is dirt. It is, yeah. Okay. You're right. All right. Okay. So I'm I'm thinking to myself, like, okay, um, we're going to make the best of it. So we're going to, um, in fact, you have five acres. And, uh, but... But let's say you rented an excavator for a week, and and I know you're probably thinking like a week. How am I gonna? And and like let's just set aside your schedule and your real life for a moment, and let's <laughs> and I'm gonna I'm gonna bring in instead I'm gonna bring in your love of permaculture, and I'm gonna say do your earthworks first. Okay. okay. I like it. I like it. I do. Um, we bought a loader backhoe, a 50 horsepower. Um, can yeah, I, it's kind of small. It, you can do I, it. It'll take like forever, but you could do it. <laughs> I got time, right? Okay. Um, okay. I want to say like you're gonna you're gonna pick some spots. You're not gonna put berms around the the everything, but you are gonna pick some spots where you are gonna put in some berms, and so you're gonna you're gonna build some berms, and then the next thing is. Because with hugel culture, it's soil on wood. And there was like, I saw earlier, I'm going to click over. There's this wood here. Mm-hmm. And, and it's just begging to go and be part of some new hugel culture project. At least Absolutely. I hear it begging. I, I don't know. If, I'm not there. I don't really hear it. It was so loud and it said I had to talk to you about it. So. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. So. Um, popping back 
over here. There's not a lot of wood, but there is that wood. And, and it's like, okay, so I want to have woody bits inside of my hoop culture, but I'm going to also say a quarter of an acre per year. So, um, you're going to want to make a, a hugelkultur garden where the hugelkulturs are seven feet tall, but I'm going to give you a cheat that's going to make it a lot easier. And this will work. This will work with your backhoe on your tractor. Okay. And it goes like this. You're going to um, pick a path that's where you want there to be a path, which just so happens to be about the width of your tractor. Okay. And then you're going to have next to the path a place where you're going to end up with a culture, And you're going to lay a bunch of the wood out. You're going to leave a little bit of space in between the pieces of wood. And you're going to put one layer of wood on the ground. Now, your path, you want your path to go down three feet deep where your tractor is. And what you dig out is going to go on top of that wood. That's going to be where your hugel culture is. Okay. As soon as you can't see the wood anymore, you need to add more wood, a new layer of wood. Now, by the time you're done digging your path, you'll have built several hugel culture beds. But your hugel culture beds will be horribly defective. And that's because instead of putting soil on wood, you put dirt on wood. But dirt is all you had. And so you made the best of it. Now, you're going to try to plant things on your hugel culture bed because you don't have... Now, I mentioned the Sandpoint well. I don't know how legal or illegal it is. I'll look into it. But you're going to look into it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And it I could be that all of a sudden you have infinite awesome water and when you have infinite awesome water you can build soil pretty quickly so with hugel culture i've seen it we i mean i we may have used some buckets of water early on with some trees that were close to the water Mm -hmm. and but wow wow the the difference between watering a tree with municipal water and that it was the soil was amazing around the tree. And, yeah, we mulched it and that mulch broke down and became gorgeous. Yeah. Oh, that that that's a, that's worthy of being made into a song. But the, but then the frogs have left and the, now I'm I'm. But I we we talked about that anyhow. I was just. Yeah. I mean, that thing you did with the bucket. I mean, you could do that a hundred times more. Mm. I mean, that sounds like uh, a long, painful day, but a <laughs> uh, day after day. But uh, it's it's on the table. It's there. Um, I, I'm pretty sure that a lot of our fruit trees that we have along that edge are have their toes in water or able to draw water on their mm-hmm. own. Mm-hmm. If nothing else, if you've got a creek nearby, I kind of wonder for most of your property, if you just if you were to dig a hole eight feet deep, would you hit a water table? 
Mm, my husband wants to try that. Yeah. I, I, I would at the very least just be curious if that's the case. Yeah. And uh, if that were the case, I got to tell you, I'd be planting a lot of nuts, like not mm. nut trees, but nuts. Okay. Because every time you transplant, you lose the taproot. Mm-hmm. And if and so if you put a nut in the ground of whatever your favorite kind of nut is for the area, and then it makes a taproot, and your um, water table is just eight feet down, that taproot's going to find that water table, and suddenly this tree is going to flourish. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a giant, an amazing, very healthy, happy tree, and even more than that. It's going to be generous to its nearby plant buddies. Mm. And and it's going to bring up all this water, and it's going to be like, I have so much water, I don't know what to do with it all. And so okay. suddenly it's doing all this root exudate that's plump with water. And all of the growies around that tree are green and lush mysteriously. Mm. And you never put in a pump. Yeah. And so... This this is a part of that webinar about, you know, replacing mm-hmm. irrigation with permaculture. And and that's just one little piece. But let's get back to hugel culture because I'm kind of thinking that on your five acres, you got the big berm set up and now you can get started. And it's kind of like I kind of feel like somebody who loves gardening would build – about a quarter of an acre of hugel culture each year. And so you might map out where all your hugel culture designs are going to go. And when you do that, I want you to design them like, like this. Can you kind of, mm-hmm. so like rather than making hugel cultures in straight rows, I'd like it if they all were a little wavy. So they'd be wavy on the ground. And then, but their wavy would kind of interlock a little bit. So if any wind comes in, it'll all go over your hugel cultures. Okay. And do you, do you set the ridge of those? I mean, the wind isn't perfectly exactly the same angle, but give or take a few degrees, it, it kind of the prevailing wind is. Do you, is it? It's perpendicular to that, or because of the the wavy nature, you're not so concerned. With the wavy nature, I am not concerned. Okay. However, with slope, I mean, okay, so you're going to do two different things. Let's suppose that uh, you do so much wavy shapes that sometimes any cold air in the area will drain between the wavy shapes and go off property. Ah, okay. And in other places, because of your wavy shapes, any cold area, any cold air in the area will get trapped. And it basically makes a type of frost pocket. Mm. So then there's that thing that we said about how we want to do things in such a way that we can come up with some areas, we want to make some microclimates that are warmer and yeah. we want to make some microclimates that are cooler. For apple and, trees. Oh, I love the way you think. Now, let's suppose 
that we've made some frost pockets intentionally. And now we've got some apple trees growing there. Because for those of you that don't know, apple trees do not do well in Southern California. Apple trees don't like it. I have two. I have two that are right on the edge of those that line of willows. And it's like an air conditioner in the summer coming up from there. So I put uh, apples and peach and pear and, yeah, and it and works a picnic great. table. And it works great. It works great. I need a little mini house so in the summer we can go sleep down there because it's like an air conditioner. See, that's exactly where I was kind of going with it. Like, let's say you can make a frost bucket, but you already know. You already have a frost bucket. You already have it. a cool yeah. spot. Yeah. But like, let's make a cool spot so we can grow all these, these beautiful, wonderful things that don't do so good, um, in such hot, hot space and put a picnic table there. Mm. So Esther says almonds do well in hot, dry places with minimal. They do. They do. Also, quince, which you can then graft apples to. I didn't know that about quince. Interesting. Ooh, lovely. Okay. So, but I do think that once you got your berms in place, um, then the next thing is is that you can um, uh, start making culture gardens, and then in time you'll have lots and lots of culture. But, um, and then with those hugel cultures and with all those berms, you're going to grow lots and lots and lots of trees, which right now you don't have, um, much in the way of trees here. And with permaculture, we want a lot of perennials, a lot of trees. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to make a permaculture paradise. Um, but now of course, Mrs. Kravitz wants you to do something else. She, she, mm. she's against permaculture paradise. It's a bunch. You're going to be infested with stinky hippies and rats. And so she <laughs> has to put a stop to whatever you're trying to do. And so, um, I think the berm between you and Mrs. Kravitz is going to help you to achieve your dreams. Mm. Um, and, and so I, I'm, I'm big on this room. Now let's talk about the hugel culture. It's dirt. On wood, but hopefully we can come up with some water to help us build soil. But if we don't have water, we'll, we'll still build soil. We'll just build the soil slower. Okay. And that's kind of a little sad. On the other hand, um, maybe when things get really, really warm, you'll find that, um, you have a cart that you take near the creek and then you get a whole bunch of buckets and then you move that cart over to your hugel culture where you're trying to build soil and you cheat. A little bit. Mm. Unless, of course, this sandpoint well thing works out or some other kind of well thing works mm-hmm. out. Okay. And then you might, you might do some of that. Or there's that other idea of the ponds. If you have ponds, you can take all the water out of your ponds that you want. Mm-hmm. And so you could do a bit of that. And if anybody tries to be weird about it, you could say, well, I'm trying to pour the water onto the ground so it'll go to the aquifer because I thought somebody said that there wasn't enough water in the aquifer. So I'm trying to help. Mm-hmm. Ta-da. Doing my part. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, uh, all right. The, the, the thing is, is that this is just, just the beginning of, of so much, but, 
if nothing else, hugel culture in your climate, once it's soil on wood, so you've built the soil and there's wood in there, once you're all done and it's soil on wood and you got growies galore growing on that without irrigation, you can grow all your favorite stuff there, except possibly the very thirstiest trees. So there, there might be, um, willows might not like to be on a hugel culture in your area. Like there's just not enough water there, mm. but most everything else will flourish. It'll, it'll grow without any, you won't need any water whatsoever, which really kind of facilitates the whole thing about being especially lazy. Now, Real quick, I want to, I want to insert, um, have you read <clears throat> Mark Shepard's book, Restoration Agriculture? I have not. I'm familiar, um, with it and I, but I have not read it. So a couple of important things. Um, okay. one is, is that he makes a brutally powerful case of why we should, like right now, um, uh, most people, when they outside of meat, whatever they're eating is like ninety to ninety-five percent annuals, mm-hmm. and he's thinking it should be ninety to ninety-five percent perennials. Okay. And 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 he makes a very 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 good case for that. And that, that is that is the core of permaculture: is more yeah. perennials, less annuals. Yeah, he's not saying zero; he's just saying less. Right. And so, <clears throat> so there's that. Then, as part of the book, he introduces this concept that he calls stun, sheer, total, utter neglect. Mm. And so then that means you're going to grow a bunch of perennials and you're going to do nothing but harvest. I love it. Okay? <laughs> you're not going to spray them on anything. You're not going to irrigate them. You're not going to do anything. But there's a catch. And that is that you are going to have to baby them the first couple of years. You know, you're going to have to help them get established and get going and get to the point that they can look after themselves. So there's a little bit of that. Mm-hmm. And this kind of comes back to the thing of where I was saying, um, build about a quarter of an acre of hugel cultures each year. Mm. And so the hugel culture you build the first year, you're going to work on building the soil and you're going to get some stuff growing there. And, and some of the things that you're growing on it are going to be more about soil building and less about food. Um, and, uh, and I was exchanging some email with Mark Shepard earlier this morning. Um, <clears throat> but, uh, and then while it's doing its magic and it's getting itself worked up and it's getting itself in place, then the next year you can build the next quarter of an acre of hugel culture beds. Now, okay. between berms and hugel cultures, there's another benefit, and that is that your five acres, kind of, sort of, in a way, not really, but sort of, becomes ten acres. Hi, this is Mark. There are a lot of reasons to get angry these days, but I prefer to focus on the positive things that we each can do to make this world a better place. The book Building a Better World in Your Backyard, instead of being angry at bad guys, is a great resource for just that. Instead of throwing my arms up in frustration at governments or big corporations, there's a list of ideas that we each can tackle to affect change. Information about this book and other resources can be found at permies.com. And so, we, basic, we increase that surface area. 
Yeah, there you go. There you go. You not quite, but almost double your growing surface area. Okay. And on top of that, you're going to make it so that the soil that you can grow on is soil as opposed to what you have now, which is dirt. Yeah. And um, because of your water restrictions, what you want to do is you want your end game to be hugelkultur that um, doesn't need any irrigation, that it'll grow oodles and oodles of your happiest crops without any irrigation. Now, okay. let's go back to the berms for just a moment. Okay. You go to build these berms. What if the top three or four feet of your berms had chunks of wood buried in it? It wouldn't be a hugel culture, but it would be hugely. It would have woody bits in it. And, and, and for me, the big thing is, is, is in the mid nineties, I had a garden. And I wanted to get to the point that I wouldn't have to irrigate it. And I was came up with these stupid ideas, this, the most ridiculous thing. And I'm because I'm trying. And when I discovered Hugel culture, it's like this solves everything. Mm. And so um, I, I'm, in fact, what I kind of use Hugel, I kind of use Hugel culture as the solution for for almost everything to, to grow giant, magnificent, glorious gardens. Because What I, happens I, in the top of the berm when that starts to decay? It shrinks. What And what happens when you go along the bottom of the berm and there's all these growies that are so happy and all this soil and you put them into a bucket and you walk to the top of the berm and you dump that bucket on top of the berm. Mm. And so, okay. yeah. You kind of top will. them off. I do. I okay. do. I do. Okay. And I try to grow things up there. And sometimes something else volunteers and I decide I don't want it. And I cut it to be six inches short. And it's like, congratulations. Congratulations, volunteer. You're now volunteering to hold up my mulchy and soily bits. Mm. And so, um, yes, you grow the top back up again. Okay. That's what I do. But the, um, the best fertilizer for any garden is the gardener's shadow. Meaning we're going to bring our brain to the game and we're going to romance nature to make a beautiful and glorious permaculture paradise. And, and, it, and it, and it's going to be like, okay, rather than me putting in money and time and the irrigation and fertilization, what if I could be a little bit smarter about this? And maybe once every 10 years, I'm going to move buckets of soil down low and move them up high. And then that nutrient works its way down over the next 10 years. And then I'll do it again every 10 years or so. Mm. And so you're right. Your, your hugel culture, your berm starts off like that. And then it kind of, now a big part of, you know, what keeps it from doing this like in the first year, right? So you build it like this. You build it nice and tall and stout. And okay. then, and then 
there's there was a guy here, and I've told this story a few times, <clears throat> where he looked at my hugu cultures that are like this, and he says, "Yeah, but the angle of repose is like this. They're gonna, they're all gonna go." And and I said, "No, they they won't." And he says, "Oh, I guarantee you, they're gonna be like this in two months." And I said, "The one you're looking at is two years old. How is it that it already made it two years?" And and he's like, it doesn't matter. It's gonna do it. It's gonna. So here's here's the thing. <clears throat> Soil engineering. Okay. Um, how is it that you and I are upright instead of just a puddle of goo, a puddle of blood and organs and just a puddle? It's the bones. We have yeah. bones that gives us structure, holds us up. Hugo culture has bones. Hugo culture has engineering structure and granted it's not really well organized it's silly but it does it it holds it up and so you you get it nice and steep like that now those bones are going to decompose and it's going to want to do some of this that's that's totally true and the bigger the logs are on the inside the longer it lasts now you're in a warmer climate which means that as you build the soil you're going to get a lot of microbial beasties Mm. living in that soil <clears throat> and and they're doing what they do which is basically in the end they're they're kind of like doing all the jobs that they do while simultaneously consuming your organic matter they're slowly mm. turning your soil back into dirt mm-hmm. and so your hugel culture won't last near as long as my hugel culture mm. now all right so if we're going to think about this, you know, if they're consuming the organic matter, which is going to include the logs that we put in, and the bigger the logs you put in, the longer it's going to last. Okay. But they're slowly consuming it. They're slowly consuming organic matter. What if your hugel culture has a whole bunch of trees? Will those roots act like the skeleton of the hugel culture and hold it in place? Okay. Yes. Yes, it will. So, okay. so we're going to start with the wood, which we intend to have it rot. The tree is going to replace those original bones. The tree mm-hmm. is going to shed leaves and organic matter onto the top of the hugo culture to help build it that way. Mm-hmm. The gardener's shadow is going to help build it up a bit too from time to time. It's going to become more glorious with every passing year because of the gardener's shadow. And you're going to cleverly plant trees. Now, granted, on the south side of some spots, you're probably going to say, this is where I'm going to grow certain crops. I'm going to grow my perennial tomatoes or my perennial peppers. They're going to never experience a frost because it's a south-facing slope. But on the yeah. north side of that slope, I've got a bunch of trees growing, and they are providing all of the structural integrity that will last for decades. Okay, so mm-hmm. Janelle, we started this whole conversation, uh, and we talked about frogs, yeah. and we talked about um, there's water that we can kind of touch, but not really. We talked about ponds. We talked about berms and hugel cultures but 
let me hit the pause because basically all I did is I just started talking about all of my stuff without even asking you what you want. And so you have foolishly parted with money for me to give you advice. And so, and yet I don't know if you've even had a chance to ask a question yet. I've given you unasked for advice. (laughs) I think that's what I asked for. Um, Oh. You, uh, I wanted to know what you would do. And, and you have said that. So that is exactly what I wanted to know. To insert in here is half of your property should be very Hugel culture rich. That's going to make it so that you can extend the growing season and do so much more. And half of your property needs to be, um, more in the department of swales. And so, hmm. um, oh, I think this is a still from the this project that we did near San Diego. And okay. so, but, um, we did some ditches, which are different than swales. So we did some swales. So part of the property is going to end up being basically a giant frost pocket which is what a swale does. A swale makes a frost pocket, which is why swales are not a good idea in a cold climate. But half of your property is going to be making things warmer, and half of your property is going to be making things cooler. And so any time you make something that's a swale, it's going to be making things cooler, and you're going to want some of that. So I'm more of a cold climate guy. I'm going to be like, oh, I want to go very easy on the swales, very few swales. But where you are, you're going to want to do 50-50. Some some parts will be warmer. And and now these guys, where we did warmer, they they planted a macadamia nut tree. I have Mm. no idea. I guess apparently a macadamia nut tree really wants things to be very warm. Um, so, uh, um, but you know, now that they've got these cool patches, then they can grow apples and, and, uh, you know, other, other Northern fruits for funsies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, Janelle, what have I not touched on? What questions did you have at the beginning that I have not mysteriously answered? Um, None. I, you've, you've, I, I had, I I need to go to what you've written about already and, and read up on all those things, but it, translating what I have tried to learn so far on this property, I just felt so many stumbling blocks just it's so open, you know what I mean? Kind of open ended and there's so much space and where you start. And, uh, I think you addressed that. So I appreciate that. And I, well, I do have a lot of rocks, but that's a whole different day. So <laughs> I, um, well, rocks can be of great benefit. Now I seem to, boulders, I, boulders. I have, there they are. Some of which I can't, I can roll them and push them, but I cannot, you can never pick them up. I can't pick them up with what, the tractor I have. Okay. 
And, and so, so A, there's, there's ways for you to move them. And, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, if nothing else, if you rent a big excavator, then, then that's the day. But, but let's, let's talk about something for a second. Let's say that you want to grow your macadamia nut tree. Mm-hmm. Then you're going to make a spot that's much, much warmer. And what would be really terrific is to put a few of these big rocks around the macadamia nut tree in such a way that they'll get lots of sun exposure. And what these big rocks will do is that they will um, absorb lots and lots and lots of heat, mm-hmm. um, which means that at night when it gets really cold, they're going to give off heat. And at any given time when it gets too warm, they're going to absorb that heat. So then the area around them becomes a little cooler but most importantly, when the frost comes, it won't frost around these rocks because mm-hmm. the amount of thermal inertia that these rocks have is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. These rocks are gardening rocks. Okay. They are, they are, you have, you have deep magic juju now with these rocks. I, I, I feel it. Yeah. They're, they're, we've used them in some places. It's pretty cool to see what they do. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I'll bet there's a lot of growies growing between and around these rocks already. Yeah, absolutely. And, yes, I have a pomegranate away from and a pomegranate right up next to. And you, the difference is the, the one that's next to the rock is the last to lose its leaves, you know, the last to turn yellow and the last to lose its leaves. And so it's 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 noticeable. Yeah, pretty cool. So when you have a... A, a deep love of gardening. Oh, these rocks are just gardener's magic. Um, mm-hmm. But of course, moving them, you know. We, we bought. We brought them on the property. They were getting. Um, they were going in a rock crusher uh, about a mile down the road with a big construction site, and uh-huh. the guy said he didn't care. He could either load a dump truck or load the rock crusher. And we were welcome to, you know, buy, have the dump truck, pay the dump truck guy to bring them in. And so we did like nine or 11 loads of rock. Yeah. I don't, I mean, I, there, I, we dumped them in strategic spots, I thought, but it's been a while. It's, it's, I'm trying to work on that hillside to create a, a, a retaining wall between us and our neighbor. That's our closest neighbor there. Um, but, uh, yeah, I've seen – I was upset because we had no rock on our property, really, and then had that opportunity and took it. So um, Smart. It's, it's pretty cool, but I'm, I'm not as smart as you, and that's where I was like, if I could just download a little bit of your brain, I, I appreciate it. Now, now it's 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 uh, you, now that I've infected your brain with my stuff. Now you're carrying too much stuff in your head, and it's going to drive you crazy. <laughs> no, this is but, good. well. I'll have to listen to. The, I'll have to watch the video again after this to let it all settle in. So I my my impression is is that it's live on YouTube right now, and it's live on a bunch of other places too. Okay. And so, and I know that on YouTube, maybe the other places as well. As soon as the video ends, it, it'll be there, so you can go look at it whenever you want. Yep. And so, yeah. um, all right. Well, well, 
So um, you paid for one hour, and and I said that if you make it live and share this with everybody, we can go longer. And so we've gone longer. Yep. I'm willing to give you another ten or fifteen minutes if you like. And it's like, but you gotta you gotta tell me what you'd like to know about. Hmm. Ah. Uh, okay. I did have I did have questions. I mean, I did write some things down that were just Hugo culture related. Um, but like you said, I mean, it's dirt. What about digging in to to uh, put wood in and then cover art dirt on top of it? I hate that idea. Okay. And I know a lot of people do it and they love it. And and it's like uh, for me, I feel like what's important is, I mean, first of all, the whole thing about going from five acres to ten acres. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And so. And then the next thing is is to um, mitigate the wind. Um, and then the next thing is is um, to keep Mrs. Kravitz from looking at your ponds. Okay. And um, uh, oh. the other thing is that when you have a hugelkultur or a berm with these nice steep sides like this, then what happens is is that this part becomes fairly dry, and only things that tolerate the dry will grow up here. But this part becomes fairly damp, mm-hmm. and so all of your water-loving stuff will grow down here without irrigation. And so, but if you do it flat, it's all the same. Everything is sucky. Mm. But when you okay. do this, then you've got some parts that are even suckier than the yeah. flat stuff, but some parts that are much better. Yeah. More dynamic and more diverse. Um, with the ponds, if we go back to that kind of ditch area that if we put a series of ponds in there, um, do you berm to stop wind from passing over that? Because really, in that picture, the wind is kind of going to come from right to left. All right. All right. So... First of all, it's like, okay, let's say right over here you're going to build a dam. Oh, I can't. You can't see where I'm pointing, can you? No, I can't. Okay. So near your son's tree. Okay. Whoop. Yes. So near your son's tree, then you're going to put a, a dam kind of going across the, the draw, right? Okay. But you don't want that dam to be any taller than eight feet tall. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, however, if we were to make a berm that's a little further away and then um, uh, and it went out out a bit and then that's okay. It can be 20 feet tall. That's fine. And then if we make another berm that's a little closer, and it's also very tall. Well, it turns out that then Mrs. Kravitz can't see our pond. You know, the berm didn't go all the way across the draw to make a dam, mm-hmm. but there is a dam there that's less than eight feet tall. But there is enough of a berm that's kind of like we've got some offset berms, and and it's like, what color are my eyes? Can you tell? Look through the berms. Can you tell? Right. Can you see? And it's like, but there's a gap there for the water to continue going down. 
Okay. And so um, uh, the the thing is, is that there are ways. So you're saying, what about the berms in relationship to the ponds? And I was like, that is that is a really good question. First, I think I think you want to have the berms go pretty much around your perimeter, but there's going to be some spots, like on the lowest spot of your property, where you probably want there to be a way for cold air to continue moving on to the next property, to not get stuck on your property. Okay. Otherwise, your whole property becomes a bit of a frost pocket. And so you'll have more freezes than all of your neighbors, Mm -hmm. which is probably not what you want. Um, You want half of your property to have more freezes and half of your property to have less freezes. Mm -hmm. So, um, but, you know, where there's going to be a gap like this, then you can instead do this, and then the gap is offset. Okay. And now you can you can block. And so it's possible that if you do this, then somebody way over there could look at more of your berm than somebody else. Mm-hmm. But that's fine. Who cares? They still can't right. see a pond. Right. And for the department of making you sad to come by and be all upset about any ponds you might have made, they first need to have line of sight with those ponds. Mm. Now, there's also this concept of drones and stuff, but my understanding is is that um, for most places, people aren't allowed to come and fly a drone over your property unless you give them permission or they have some sort of special license or something like that. Mm. But, you know, they're not supposed to be looking and... Mrs. Kravitz would get in trouble if she tried to do that. Yeah. I I did think about trying to find out if I could buy the airspace over our house. (laughs) Oh, Um, oh, that's something I know nothing about. Nobody wants to talk about that. You know, if I go, if I go down and want to ask questions about being able to add that to my deed, for some reason, nobody wants to, nobody wants to help me do that. I think that gets kind of complicated too, because what about, some sort of jet airplane that's like... Yeah, no, like 50 feet. You know, something in the realm that a drone would fly. That I don't... I don't... I don't know. And you're in California and close enough to L.A. that it's like I'm sure that there's... Because you're you're going and you're, you're talking to the people who want to fly a drone over your property. This hey. is the problem. They are the ones to issue the permission as well. So. Yeah, yeah. And and they're, you're like, I want to make sure nobody can do that. And you're asking the person who's like, I'm totally going to do that. And yeah. I, and so what, you're wanting to block me, you know? Yeah. But I'm, I want to... I, I want to go and take pictures of you when you want me to not take pictures of you. So I don't understand why we're having this conversation. Yeah. And, uh, and it's like, oh, I want to make it so that when you do it, that I can, like, legally kick your butt. And, and they're like, I don't want you to ever kick my butt. And I want to take pictures when I want to take pictures. So, yeah, it's like, who do you talk to? I have no idea. Yeah. I'm sure that you'll find lawyers that will be glad to take $100,000 of your money and do nothing for you in this space. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We did plant some trees when we first moved in. Um, we did pepper trees on that, uh, you know, the Mrs. Kravitz side of okay. things. And there are a few houses where it was like, Oh, look at that. And we put, uh, oaks in that are, are finally getting bigger and, uh, yeah, starting to kind of. So now when I say Mrs. Kravitz, you know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, good. Good. Yeah. Sometimes we, we, I worry that I'm, I'm like the only one who knows the reference. Oh, jeez. I'm old yeah. enough. I'm old okay. enough. I'm, I'm midlife-ish. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. I know it. Cool. All right. Good, good, good. Good, good, well, thank good. thank you, Paul. You're welcome. Uh, thanks for giving me money when I was in a money pickle. And, uh, um, Hope it helped. It did. It did. All right. Um, do we have any Q&A from the people that are currently in the chatty chat? Um, I can't see the chatty chat. I have to push a button, I think, in order because I have to. But but I no, know that. No Q&A, Paul. No. Okay. Were, no. We're good. Thanks, okay. Janelle. I hope it was Thanks, worth Paul. the monies. Absolutely. You're, it was a bargain. Thank you. If you like this sort of thing, come on out to the forums at Permies.com where we talk about earthworks, homesteading, and permaculture all the time. All the time. Put Paul's brain on your plot. Do you have a hunk of land but don't know where to start? Do you have a world-changing permaculture idea and you need some feedback? Do you feel like the guy in overalls may inexplicably hold the keys to all your wildest permaculture and homesteading dreams? Well, you're probably wrong. But if you want to give it a go anyway, you can hire Paul for a consultation. He will be all yours for a whole entire hour. Schedule your paul conversation today at permies.com slash consult. permies.com slash consult.